Welcome to episode 76 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 8. We are one spirit, one soul, and together we are creating a library of stories and life lessons. I am your host, Amida, and I want to bring you stories because stories matter, stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Listeners, today we are going to talk about a very interesting and practical topic. But before we get there, I would like to take care of a couple of housekeeping matters. As you may already know, Sharing Life Lessons has expanded to YouTube. So here is a reminder to subscribe to the new YouTube channel and click the bell so you can be notified of all new episodes. Also, I want to thank the existing monthly subscribers to the podcast. If you would like to financially support Sharing Life Lessons, it will be greatly appreciated please click the support button with the dollar sign on anchor.fm. Links to the YouTube channel and to anchor.fm are in my show notes. I would like to start today's episode with an affirmation. This affirmation is simple, but encompasses everything I would want to say when I wake up to give my day that extra positive start. I used it for the first time this morning and I intend to continue using it. It says... I affirm I live in a state of radical appreciation. I give humble thanks for all that I have. Paradise is wherever I am. Again, I affirm I live in a state of radical appreciation. I give humble thanks for all that I have. Paradise is wherever I am. Over to introducing our wonderful guest for today from Queensland, Australia. He talks to us about something that impacts everyone. After over 40 years of working with national and international corporations and businesses, world-class skydivers, cyclists, triathletes, and golfers, he has distilled his knowledge and experience into a series of books that have one goal, to help people become better versions of themselves. Everyone, please join me in welcoming Bill Lee Emery. Bill, welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. I am so happy to have you on the show all the way from Queensland, Australia. That's, I think, my furthest guest. This is a oh, global lovely. It's a global podcast. I've had them from all over South America, India, Canada, US. I had one other person from Australia, but I think you're still the furthest. Okay, great. Yay! Record. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome. Bill, could you start us off by telling us something about yourself, please? Okay. So I have been involved in uh, personal growth and corporate training and coaching for nearly 40 years now, I guess. I've written four books and I've just published uh, my latest book, How to Be Bulletproof from Criticism. I live in an eco-village in Corumbin Valley on the Gold Coast in Queensland. So we don't have any dogs or cats we don't have any street lights mm -hmm. we have lots of kangaroos and other wildlife jumping around mm -hmm. we can see the stars at night because we don't have street lamps and it's a really connected community so when all the things were happening with covid it was almost like it was happening in other parts of the world but we're in this kind of bubble we have found our own version of heaven here on the planet <laughs> I'm sure that comes with positives and negatives. Are there any negatives or it's all positives? 
Well, I wouldn't say, I mean, if you've got human beings together, there's always going to be some kind of conflict. Yeah. And there'll be politics. If you've got more than two, three people, there's going to be politics of some kind. It doesn't have to be politics, politics, but there's differences of opinions. But generally, I can meet someone new in the eco-village and we can have a deep and meaningful conversation within minutes of meeting each other because that's the kind of construct or the kind of um, culture that we have here in the village. I have to say it's quite unique. Lovely. So, Bill, we are going to talk about a very interesting topic, and it is not just ideologically interesting, but it is something that everyone faces on a daily basis. I'm going to let you start off by telling us your story and telling us more about our topic. Okay. So the book is called How to Be Bulletproof from Criticism and Do Whatever the Heck You Want, and in brackets, because it's your life. The genesis of the book started nearly 30 years ago when I first started doing training. And so I was in my early 30s, and I was talking about a particular topic to a group of special education teachers. Now, I made the assumption that special education teachers would be more compassionate, Mm -hmm. more encouraging. And there's a group of 20 people, and I was right in 19 out of 20. But there was one person in the group that just was, you know, as I was talking about certain things, I could see her internal temperature was getting up, (laughs) like steam was starting to come out of her ears. Anyway, I made what I thought was an innocent comment. And I said that I didn't think that guilt was a good way of getting kids to do things. Mm-hmm. And I still don't think that that's a good way. Of, well, anyway, that just triggered her big time. And she launched into the most vitriolic personal and professional attack I've ever had in my entire life. No one has come anywhere near close to what she launched into me that day. Did you ever get to the bottom of that? Did you ever figure out why? <laughs> Well, someone told me at the end of the program that she just actually gone through a very bitter divorce. Uh So she figured I was a likely target. But actually, it's interesting. The thing that I had spoken about that triggered her, I was talking about a model of human behavior called transactional analysis. And your listeners can just do a search on TA or transactional analysis. And that is such a worthwhile journey ongoing. I'll be very brief about this. I talk about a parental part of us and a childlike part of us. And the parental part has got two parts. One is the critical parent. So this is a dominating, you should, you must, you have, the pointed finger, the tone of voice. It's a perfectionist. If any one of your listeners is a perfectionist, this is your critical parent. And the other side is the nurturing parent, which is supportive and emotionally encouraging, etc. So of all the 20 people, she was the epitome of the critical parent, the way she behaved, her tone of voice. So I've basically given everyone in that room a model to understand how she behaved. So I wasn't dealing with a 30 or 40 year old woman. I was dealing with a five year old girl who'd been caught out in the playground doing something nasty to the other kids and everyone now noticed what she was doing. So she was attacking me because she wanted to shut me down Mm-hmm. and move on to something else. But fortunately, I'd learned a few things by then that I was able to keep my center. I was able to ground myself. I was able to stay professional and not attack her back. Because if I had attacked her back, I would have had 20 people against me. But at that point in time, I had 19 people on my side. Yeah. Because of what I'd learned, if this was a game of chess, the, the conversation between myself and this teacher... 
I had her in checkmate in two moves with two questions and it just silenced her. So partly the book was based on my experience of having to be able to think on my feet, mm-hmm. having to be able to deal with some severe personal criticism and keep my balance and not get into kind of being a victim of what was going on. Over the last eight, nine years, I've been going to men's gatherings in Australia. We have two in particular in Queensland that I go to every year. I was sitting around listening to men talking and many of the guys were saying that they would take things to heart. When someone would criticize what they've been doing, they would take it as a personal attack and they would kind of crumble. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, I've got some personal street cred with this particular topic because of what happened. So I put together a workshop and it turned out really, really well. And I've done it several times since then. And so it's interesting. The topic is very generic. Like everyone and everyone of your listeners has received criticism from outside of themselves mm-hmm. or from inside of themselves. And it's how we deal with it that really um, helps us to stand on our own two feet, to express what we want to say in the world rather than living a timid contained life and it is very practical because as you said all of us if we were on stage and we were actually presenting this physically to a group of 500 people and we said raise your hand if you've never been (laughs) criticized do you think anyone would have raised their hands everyone's been on both sides you've been the criticizee and you've been the criticizer yes and there's two parts really one is internal criticism and the other one is external criticism Mm -hmm. so when i was being attacked from the teacher one of the the things that i was able to process on the inside of myself for example now i'm sure you won't do this but let's say you were to um, call me an idiot or goose or fool or whatever it might be so one of the things in my mind i would be taking that insult and i'll be asking myself a couple of things Let's say, for example, you called me a goose. Now, someone calls me a goose, I might think to myself, okay, now, is that a fact or is that an opinion? Now, if I'm sprouting feathers and I'm kind of wobbling when I'm walking and I'm making honking noises, then maybe I've actually turned into a goose, in which case I need to go and see a vet or a doctor. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's someone's opinion about me. And if people are not able to separate a fact and an opinion then basically they can be, they're so gullible though. For example, when a politician says, the fact of the matter is, what they're about to give you is their opinion about something. And if we accept someone's opinion as a fact, then we are doomed because we don't have that ability to distinguish between what we want to take on board or what we want to discard. So when the teacher was attacking me, I'm going, okay, is she giving me facts or is she giving me her opinion and clearly it was her opinion Mm -hmm. so here's a level above that i need then to ask myself is my opinion of lesser or greater value than her opinion about me and i have to say my opinion about me is way more important than her opinion about me i hope so yeah now if you take social media which can be it's a double-edged sword for a lot of people, there's a comment on social media from someone they don't know, it might even be a troll, that, that they say something and that person takes that opinion as fact and they literally take it to their heart and they take it 
to mean that it's true. And in, in the world that we're in, it's very hard to get away from social media and people's comments and opinions on social media. But I think <laughs> we need to be strong enough to go to find out whose opinion about ourselves are we going to honour the most? Is it going to be other people in the world or is it going to be ours? Now, when we're little kids, we don't have that ability to really discern where our sovereignty lies. Is it in our own opinions about ourselves or is it in other people? But as we grow up, we need to evolve ourselves into being really clear about our own validity as a human being in the world. That's basic. So you've mentioned how we can try to deal with this criticism that we're getting in our minds and to keep ourselves calm. Yes. But then there has to be another step to this. You have to respond to the person who's criticizing. <laughs> Do you have any tips on how can you respond or how should you respond to this person? Yeah, well, there's many different ways of doing it. It depends on the context. For example, in the corporate world, and I've done a lot of work in the corporate world, people need to be able to take criticism to improve their productivity. If someone is so fragile that any criticism that they are given, they, that they break and they fall apart, then how can that person grow? So there is validity in criticism or critique, but mm -hmm. it depends on the way that it's delivered. So there's a couple of other things that are worth mentioning around this. And one is to be able to separate, and I'll answer your question, I, I haven't forgotten it, mm -hmm. but I want to add another element here. We need to be able to separate what people do and who they are as a human being. For example, I have a pen in my hand, and if I design this pen and I make this pen with my own hands, I go to a workshop and make this pen, and I say to the world, hey, hey world, what do you think of this pen? If someone says, well, that's a rubbish pen, does that make me a rubbish person? No, because they're talking about the pen. In the same way, if I say, Bill, that's a beautiful pen, that's the most beautiful pen I've seen in my entire life, does that make me the most beautiful person that I've ever met in their entire life? Well, no, because they're talking about the pen. So we need to separate in ourselves the difference between who we are and what we do. We are not the pen. I am not the pen. So if someone is criticizing what I've done, I need to separate that criticizing my behaviors or the things that I've done. I need to work out, is there any validity that's worthwhile me taking on board? So let's say I'm um, public speaking and I'm using language that is inappropriate. If I'm not aware of that, because it's my you know, natural language, whatever it might be, and someone might be feeling offended, whatever. Not that I do that, by the way. I'm really clean with my language in public. Sure. <laughs> but I would need to get feedback that, hey, Bill, I don't know if you realize this, but this is going on. You need to take that on board. So we need to be able to work out, is the opinion that someone's giving us, is it actual something of value there that we can take on board? To respond to your question, if someone was to say, Bill, I think what you're doing is really rubbish, blah, 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 blah. I'd probably respond like, you know, I can totally understand why you might have that opinion. So I'm not dismissing their opinion. Mm -hmm. And I'm also giving them an understanding that I get that they could have that opinion. But I'm also being clear that I'm talking about their opinion. Right. And that it's not impacting you in any way. Yeah. 
that and, that you're you're calm and you're not gonna let this get you worked up. Yeah, and it's okay for people to have different opinions about the world and still have a healthy relationship. The unfortunate thing is that it's hard for people to listen to someone that have a difference of opinion without making the other wrong mm-hmm. and having to attack them. And one of the things, oh, this is that thing that went through my head when this woman in the teaching environment was attacking me. So one of the things I did is I, if any of your listeners are familiar with breathing or yogic breathing, I did some deep breathing into my belly. And this calmed my nervous system. I knew I had to stay calm. And one of the questions I'm asking myself is, why is she attacking me? People will only ever attack if they've got something to defend. It might be their opinion, it might be their status, it might be their pride, it might be their guilt, whatever it might be. People will only attack if they've got something to defend. So I'm rapidly thinking, what has she got to defend? And I realized from what she was saying and what I've been talking about is she was defending her ingrained behavior, the critical parent stuff in particular, which I've now exposed to everybody and given people common language around that. That's what she was defending. Mm -hmm. And once I realized what she was defending against, I had to go, ah, I actually, in that moment, I had a lot more compassion for than I did two minutes before when I was thinking all kinds of horrible things about her, that I realized that this is a human being who has been exposed and it's her behavior that I didn't like. She was fine as a human being. So I had to, in my own head, to separate who she was as a human being and her behavior because they are separate things. And when we're able to do that almost like automatically, then when someone does attack us and someone says that's a lousy pen, oh, by the way, people who take things to heart, literally, this is what they do. And I'm just going to describe what I'm doing here. I've got the pen that's about, um, I don't know, 18 inches away from me in front of my chest. When people take things to heart, they bring the pen closer and closer and closer until it's touching their body just around where their heart is. Mm -hmm. So if someone says that's a lousy pen or you've done a lousy job and the finger is pointed at the pen, the pen is, is millimeters away from their heart. And so they take that to mean I'm a lousy person or I'm no good. And then they get into their own internal dialogue, getting to their own critical parent, telling themselves they're dumb, stupid, fat, ugly, whatever it might be is their thing that they run around inside their head, make themselves feel worse and worse and worse and worse. And a comment can last for decades. A comment can last for decades. Now I can just briefly touch on that because uh, in my book, I talk about two stories from my primary school years and two of my favorite teachers one was teaching us maths and english and the other one was teaching us singing and both of them said something to me when i was eight years of age that shaped the course of my life now when we're young we don't have the adult capability of distinguishing what's being said to us as mm-hmm. whether it's a tr- true or not with this fact or an opinion and both these teachers said something to me which is their opinion Mm-hmm. And I took both of them to heart. One expanded my life and the other one contracted my life, well, for a period of time anyway. Mm-hmm. And it can literally make a chain of events that goes through, ripples through our whole life until we challenge the validity of that statement. 
And if we don't have the ability to go, well, this is true or not, and do I want to take on board, then it can last forever. As a child, someone says to a child, oh, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're no good at this, you're no good at that, or the reverse, wow, you're really good at this, wow, you're really good at this. Both those comments are going to be opinions, maybe based on some purpose, experience, etc. But those comments can shape someone's life. So really what I'm saying is, but if someone says something which is constraining, then find the courage to go there and go, well, you know, that is your opinion about whatever it might be. I have a question for you about external criticism. Hmm. But before I ask you the question, you're talking about the person who's receiving these comments. I also want to emphasize to the listeners that you could be a teacher, you could be a husband, you could be a wife, you could be a mother-in-law or whatever, a friend. Remember what Bill said, that a comment can last forever. So you need to be careful about what you are saying to another person, especially if your intent is clear. Yes. And there was something else I learned in my early days. If, let's say, a parent can say something to me, and maybe I'll take it on board. But if I overhear my parents talking about me, then it's secret because they don't know I'm listening. So whatever they say has way more impact. So, for example, my parents might be talking to some friends of theirs about me, and they might make a comment, which is, Bill's really good at this, or Bill's really... And they don't know I'm listening. Mm -hmm. What they say then becomes so deeply embedded as me as a human being, as my identity as a human being, because it's come, it's genuine. At the same time, if they say, you know, yeah, Bill, he's a bit slow, I'm not sure he's got all his marbles in his head, then that is equally as powerful so we have to be careful as to, especially to our children, if there are any teachers listening to this, then mm -hmm. I'm sure, well, I hope that they have that awareness, be really aware of the power of our language, because it can literally shape our lives. And here's my question, Bill. So far, you've been talking about strangers or people you don't really know that can have these negative comments and criticisms and then how to handle that. But if there is someone in your life, a relative or a friend or a coworker who is constantly criticizing you, how do you deal with that? That's actually quite a big question. So let me give you a couple of different responses here. First thing, when I'm coaching and working with people, most times I would suggest that besides working with me, that they go and do a program on assertive behavior. They read a book, they go do a program to learn language, posture, what to say, how to say it, when to say it. So that's probably a bigger question that we've got time here for, but to learn to say the things that you need to say to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. One of the things you can do, depending on your relationship with the person is to say, you know, when you say blah, 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 blah. So there's a very simple formula. When you, I feel. If you, I will. That's a very, very simple formula. When you, da, 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 da. 
I feel. So you tell them how you're feeling. If you, you tell them what you want, then I will. You'll tell them how you'll respond later. That's a very, very simple point, but there are other ones there. You need to tell people, hey, listen, when you keep on doing this, I don't like it. And I'd rather that you did this instead. And if there's something that I'm saying to you that you don't like, I would be happy to reciprocate mm -hmm. so that we can support each other rather than find ways of finding fault with the other. And, and for couples, for example, this is also really important that we find the things in the other person that we can celebrate. And this is one of the things I learned early on in my training. Whatever we focus on, we get more of, mm. good or bad. And one of your previous um, guests, uh, Robin, was also commenting around this too. Mm -hmm. But whatever you focus on, like you were talking about habits, whatever you focus on, you'll get more. For the listeners, day. that is episode number 60. That's and right. Robin was the guest. If you want to listen to that, that Bill, tell me if you agree with me. That was a great, great episode. Yeah. I highly recommend that you go and listen to that. So here's a tip. Here's something that your, your listeners can take on board. Whatever I focus on, I'll get more of that. So if I look at the world and I think of all the things that are going wrong in the world, all the things that are going wrong in my life, that's a great way for me to get depressed. However, if I start to focus and look for, sometimes with some determination, the things that I'm grateful for, then I will see more of those and I'll bring more joy to my heart. So one of the things I learned many years ago is before I go to sleep at night, I'll review the day and I'll ask myself two questions. And your listeners are quite happy to copy these if they want to write them down. The first thing is, what do I like about what I did today? Well, I got out of bed. <laughs> I put clothes on. I went to work and did this, 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 this. So you go find at least three or four things that you like about how you were, how you showed up during the day. So you, again, you're focusing on the behavior that you want to do more of. Then the second question is, if I was to do today again, what would I change or do differently? Well, maybe I'd eat my breakfast slower. I'll take more time to have breakfast. Or maybe when someone's cutting me off in the traffic, I would just let it go. I wouldn't hang on to it and engage in some unnecessary road rage. Or when the cashier at the shop says, have a nice day, I will look into his or her eyes and I will say, and you too, and mean it. So there might be some things that we can focus on of what we like about what we're doing and what we'd like to change. That is so powerful. I just had to say that that is very powerful. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, but go on. It's my pleasure. So when my daughter was young and she would bring a painting to me as most kids would, hey, daddy, what do you think of this painting? So I know that she's asking actually a couple of questions in that question. She's asking me, what do I literally think of that painting? Mm -hmm. But what she's also asking me, hey, daddy, tell me how I'm doing in life is the underlying question. So I would ask her, okay, darling, tell me what you like about the painting. And she'd say, I like the reds and the greens and the yellows. Okay, but I'd ask her, so if you were to do that painting again, what would you change or do differently? And she'd tell me, well, maybe I'd have more boldness over here. Or I've kind of missed out this part. So I'd add more of whatever it is there. Then I would ask her, 
So darling, would you like my thoughts and my opinions about your painting? And sometimes she would say yes, and sometimes she would say no. As she got to be more of a teenager, there was more no's. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that, uh, that's fine. But notice in those two questions, there's no criticism, there's no put downs. What it's doing is focusing on what's working. Also, objectively looking at it and going, what can I do to make this better, more efficient, more fun, whatever it might be? And notice that I'm asking my daughter first for her opinions about what she's done. I want her to learn to internally work out what she likes about what she's doing and also to have the ability to look at it objectively and go, well, and I could also do this. So I want her to build that into her internal software, if you like. Yeah. So that when I'm not around, she'll be able, and she does. She's grown up now and she does that for herself. This has been a wonderful conversation. I want to get to your life lessons because I know you've given me your life lessons all along, but if you can bullet point at least a couple of them before we end. All right, good. So the first one is understanding the difference between a fact and an opinion and being really clear about that and also being clear about your opinion about yourself the second thing is to separate the behavior and the person so when someone is doing something we need to critique their behavior and those two evaluation questions what do you like about what you've just done and what you could do differently so for example someone goes to bed tonight just before they go to sleep they ask themselves so what do i like about what i did today as a human being on this planet and list what they are and tomorrow what can i do differently and what you'll get then is continual self-paced improvement excellent excellent this is a great conversation and everyone we all get criticized we sometimes all criticize as well but today bill has given us a few great tips and tools to handle external criticism i know his book also talks about internal criticism and i will have in my show notes the link to where you can buy his book bill thank you for being on the show and this was a great conversation it's my pleasure thank you so much listeners I hope you found Bill's tips and tools about how to deal with negative external criticism helpful, as I did. When what someone is doing or saying does not make me feel good, then I know I will use the simple communication tool offered by Bill. I will say to the person, when you do or say blank, I feel blank. If you will blank and fill that in with how you want them to change the behavior, then I will blank fill in with how you will respond but also we need to remember to reciprocate with the same. As always, here are my key takeaways from my discussion with Bill. One, we should know how to clearly differentiate between someone else's opinion and facts. Also learn to separate the person from the behavior. While critiquing, we should be critiquing the behavior, not the person. Two, a comment can last for decades. Again, a comment can last for decades especially if that comment is made to our our younger generation. They don't know yet how to discern between opinion and fact, and it could take them a long time to challenge the validity of our statements. So we should mind our spoken words when speaking to adults, children, or for that matter, even to ourselves. The power of our language can literally shape lives. Three, whatever we focus on, we get more of good or bad.
This seems to be a theme in sharing life lessons as we have heard many guests repeat this statement. Where focus goes, energy flows. Lastly, ask yourself these two questions before you go to bed. What did I like about what I did today? This way you're focusing on the behavior that you want to do more of. Second question, if I also do today again, what would I change or do differently? This enables us to focus on what we like and thus attract more of it. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be blessed. (laughs) 